What face do you see when you look in the mirror? I guess I identify it as me, as the old me died when I was 19, because it really did. So this, you got a second chance. This, yeah, yeah. 18 days, they sent me home, I didn't say anything. They sent me home with a couple scripts, a Percocet still. Nobody ever said, Gary, you have to be careful because you are now, you now have an opioid dependency. Welcome to Far North Tokers. This is episode 101, August 19th, 2018, with your host, Mid Toker. Thank you all for listening. Today's show takes a drastic turn from what you are used to hearing on Far North Tokers. Gary Zubers, moderator of the Cannabis Cafe, uh, heroin addict, recovering heroin addict, survivor from terrible misadventures. The opioid epidemic is crushing our country. Different states are receiving federal money to deal with this problem. Cannabis seems to be, I wouldn't say the solution, but a move in the right direction. Going across country this summer, I tried to meet up with as many people as I could. That wasn't necessarily the, the goal of going across country. It was a family trip and meeting up with people. I did where I could. Gary, I had to make happen. Went up to pick up Gary. We drove down to Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. And in this interview, you're going to hear all kinds of sounds. We started looking for a good place to record. We ended up going down over the railroad tracks, down into the woods, down our path, and sat along the river. Beautiful place. Not many people went through, but the sounds of Jim Thorpe were there. I was in there a limited time. So, can you ever tell a whole story? I capture one piece of Gary Zubris' story. And thank you for coming on and sharing it with us, Gary. I saw pieces of humanity I never thought existed. Sheltered life as far as drug addiction goes. Your story is going to help a lot of people. You just keep on keeping on, man. You just keep on being Gary, doing what you do. You're going to be involved in the state of Pennsylvania in opioid addiction, the help of opioid addiction with cannabis. I know it, Gary. You're in everyone's ears. You got this, man. Proud of you. It's good knowing you. So glad I got to meet up with another Pennsylvania brother. And now, Gary Zippers. Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, Far North Toker's Serious Moment. That looks fun. There's about 20 rafts going past us. It's good stuff. 
about ready to talk? Yeah, definitely. All right. <laughs> when he's glad to share a little piece of PA with you, mid. I know. And growing up in Pennsylvania, it's, that, it's so big. You never see all the parts of it anyway either. Yeah. It is beautiful. I've never been like up to Erie. They have some kind of like a little mini Grand Canyon up in that part of the state. Never been there, you know, but like eventually it is a big state. I told you all the places that I live and I went up to state college to school. I did like the whole eastern part of the state thing, but yeah, I grew up a Pittsburgh fan. Now because of living in Philadelphia and going to prison in Philadelphia during football season, I'm also an Eagles fan. <laughs> <laughs> Undercover. Right. <laughs> but um, that's a beautiful city over there. Beautiful city. That and area are both very clean. Not like any of this trash over here on the east side. Oh, <laughs> you're, you're not talking about this thing. <laughs> not this part, though. The Poconos, gorgeous. Gorgeous. But you saw you were running around in the woods up there. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's, it's, that's my feel of Pennsylvania, that way it yeah. is. Every time I think about starting, we have, this will this will work though, this will be quiet eventually. Well, I expect all this activity, man. It's a yeah, beautiful it's day working. though, you know. I grew up in the trees. Do you climb trees when you were a kid? Ah, yeah, that's what I was saying, Tom Sawyer like. Yeah, yeah, me too, man. I, I'd go up there and just hang out in them all day, carve my name. And I think my favorite thing was to go up on one and jump off and ride it down the elevator. <laughs> like that, that was fun. Yeah, if it didn't break, I, I'd have huh? one break. The birch trees, they were the best. Oh, yeah, it's birch so trees. soft. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, I've had wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I we learned, man. But uh, we had our little campsite. We had tree forts. You know, like, we're young kids. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> It'll be over. Smuggling beer from wherever we could get it and going to our little campsites and staying out all night. We had a very similar uh, growing up life. Yeah. Well, if, you're, if you grew up in the woods, you grew up like me. I, there is farms around here, but we were the woods people. Thank you, Gary Zubris, for having me to Jim Thorpe, it's Pennsylvania. A, it's a pleasure. It's completely a pleasure to have you down here. It is. Uh, we talk a lot of times about creating your own future, creating your own path, and this is a complete example of it. Giving, I trying in the beginning, trying to get more exposure for my show, and I look out there and I see the Cannabis Cafe as a Facebook group. I'm like, I'm going to check this place out. As soon as I get in. The first thing I think you say was, uh, I admit, I see you doing a lot of stuff up in Alaska. Keep it chill in here. Everything's good. And it's been a great experience in the Cannabis Cafe ever since. And just knowing that, I was like, okay, he's in PA? Because we made that connection pretty early. My right. wife went right. to school in Hazleton. <laughs> Amazing. Right here. And I know I'd be back sometime. I'm like, well, we'll get together. It'll yeah. be fun. What was your early life of cannabis? When when did you first smell it? When did you first see it? All right. It was around me at 12 years old. But I didn't actually get to try it till I was 13 because it was the older friends and they were brothers and looking out for us. 
But when I did try cannabis, now I grew up, I was born with like high anxiety. So I was a nervous wreck, like my whole childhood kind of, and that caused some, that caused me a little bit of issues, but I excelled in everything. When I smoked marijuana for the first time, I said, I'm home. You know, it just, all that anxiety melted away. Do you remember when it happened? Did Absolutely. they finally just let you, so how, what was it like? Your friends finally let you come into the circle? <laughs> it was like a coming of age. Oh, okay. You know, cause they just were, age? Just age, basically? Well, turn a certain coming age? of... Right, right, okay, you know, that way. You're now, a, you're in a club now. You made it. <laughs> so they, they waited till we were in high school. Uh, they were my, they're our mentors. My best friend's older brother, right up the street. And his pack of buddies, uh, very smart people. You know, I went to college for forestry, a uh, bunch of really cool things. And they were really into the bi- biology thing, and uh, they started doing their own clones. So the first time I actually, I think I saw weed before I ever smoked it. Because they'd have plants out in the back. In fact, that's where I got the weed for my first time, now that I think of it. I picked it off their plants. I hope none of them ever listened to this. <laughs> <laughs> Kids. That's before we were growing, though. But next thing I know... did You, you didn't know even know what it was then, did you? I mean, what were you... When I first found a plant, I was picking off leaves. Right. And thinking that I was smoking it and right. getting high. <laughs> were you actually getting... Um, I, I did the same thing. And I didn't get high the first time I smoked. Maybe if we had Bud like today, maybe. Uh, right. We're you know, smoking leaf or yeah. very poor quality Bud at times. Well, what did you do? You, you took it off the plant and then did you go dry I it or just it, try to smoke it right down? The first thing I did was sell a joint of it to my friend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, I don't really oh, know awesome much from about the beginning. <laughs> I don't know much about the plant yet, so I'm watching him. I got just some leaves, but I saw his eyes get red. <laughs> and he said, that's some awesome weed, man. <laughs> it was just a leaf. So um, the next time I, I got it from someone through high school, I think we bought a, it was a Nick bag that was like two grams back uh-huh. then. <laughs> Three grams. Yeah. A quarter was seventeen fifty. Why a fifty? I don't know, but it literally was seventeen fifty. <laughs> That's someone who did not want to deal with any kind of. Well, he was given. He had some number in his head what he wanted to make, yeah. and he did the division, and it came out to a fifty. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, what's well, tw- thirty-five then? I guess for a half. But I wasn't looking that big back so then. Seven, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Probably would have did sixty-five an ounce. Not something. a good math guy, except for fractions and decimals. <laughs> It was funny how we know the eighths, the quarters. We do it real quick. <laughs> yeah. Grams, yeah. 3.5. Conversion. But that, that played in my life later. I was going to Penn State to be an engineer. I was trying to be an engineer, mechanical, because I have a bunch of engineers in the family. I was partying and stuff, and it took me a while. That's when I had my little incident when I was going to Penn State Hazel. Okay, so what happened? I, I noticed it was 3 in the morning, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> what, what, Is there any story that happened before that? Yeah, let me tell you this, because uh, it's a, it's it was an ominous night, and right. signs were there from the beginning. We always had parties out in the woods, bridges on top of the high bridge. I was telling yeah. you, we yeah. were a campsite. So this one particular night, we're having a party, and we had to change plans where it was uh, because there was these crazy thunderstorms rolling through, 
they would come through, burst a bunch of lightning and thunder, and then roll out, and they kept coming all night, so we partied under this bridge. We had a quarter barrel for about 10 people, <laughs> and uh, smoking weed, of course, and everybody left, and me and my friend said, let's stay here and kick the keg, because <laughs> you can't go with beer in the keg, so, <laughs> so we did. We sat until it was done, and at that point, it's almost 3 in the morning. And Burger King was open till three in the morning, and Burger King was down the mountain in Tamaqua from hometown. Were you going to? So you're going to state, uh, not state college, but Hazleton. This, yeah, this is when I was living. Uh huh. So we okay, we drive. We, we took the keg down to my parents' house and dropped it off in the backyard. I did. I got back in my buddy's car. Now back then, everybody drank and drove every night. Oh, I know. Throw five bucks in the tank and go out to farm roads every night. We never had a problem. I, I get in the car. This wasn't the population. There wasn't a lot of people driving. That's true. That's well, true. You, if you do the same thing in Philly, it's we're not going to be good. Yeah, reckon more and things. But yeah, we had farm <laughs> roads, and you wouldn't even see anyone on your way home. Right, right. Not so that it was right, but that's what you expect, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. He says, he says to me, Gary, put your seatbelt on. And I said, Steve, I'm cool. I trust you. And because we never had this issue. And he said, no, man, put your seatbelt on. Because we were going Burger King for double cheeseburgers. They were on sale, like, for a buck. So <laughs> that was the plan. Drop the keg off, get in a car, put the lap part of my seatbelt on, but not the shoulder harness. And that's the last thing that I remembered until I woke up laying down the side of the road, looking down the white line on the road. So what happened was we drove about a mile from the house, and a guy was construction and drinking all day. One of those kind of like us, but to a little higher degree. And uh, three in the morning, so he started early. The guy was plastered. We were coming around the turn, going down the mountain, full speed, 55. He comes up and he falls asleep at the wheel and just swerves and hits right into us. Mm. I don't remember none of this. I had such a No bad... time to break. It was just full double, two head-ons hitting each other. From the morning call, June 10th, 1990. Crash near Tamaquah leaves three critical. Three people were in critical condition last night after sustaining multiple injuries in a head-on collision outside Tamaquah early yesterday. The two drivers, Christopher Davison, 35, of Barnesville, Route 1, and Stephen Woodward, 21, of 243 Franklin Street, Tamaquah, are in the special care unit of the Lehigh Valley Hospital Center. Gary Zupers, 19, of Tamaquah, a passenger in Woodward's car, is in the hospital's shock trauma unit. State police at the Frackville Barracks said Davison was driving a 1985 pickup truck north on Route 309 through Rush Township at 3 a.m. when his vehicle crossed the center line and collided with Woodward's car. Police said the Tamaquah Rescue Squad had to cut open both vehicles to rescue the occupants. The Ryan Township Ambulance Unit transported Woodward to Lehigh Valley Hospital Center. Davis and Zubris were taken to the Coldale State General Hospital by Tamaquah Ambulance for emergency treatment prior to being transferred. Full speed, man. That's a... They estimated him at 65, and we were doing 55. So combined, that's the force of impact. And where did your body go? Well, I do remember cursing while I was still in the car. I was cursing, fuck, fuck, fuck. But I can't see him out. Uh, we, we each had weed, but what happened was when he hit us, my lap belt being on, I just went, boom, straight forward. My face ate the dashboard, okay? The engine got pushed in so fast, it broke part of my kneecap. So they took that out. I had a fractured hip, and my face is smashed into a million pieces. 
This is beautiful, huh? We're hearing the, the emergency go. The emergency <laughs> right. sirens go off. You're telling your story of the accident. Man, universe works in funny ways. I think, bro. I can talk over this. So exactly. I, we have weed. And I guess the plan was somebody has to go out and hide the weed because we're fucked. I don't even know what condition anybody's in. My friend can't get out of the car. He was driving. The engine came through and pushed his foot. So it wrapped, it broke and wrapped around the brake pedal so the bottom of his foot was facing him. Okay, so he can't get out. I guess with a broken knee and a fractured hip and a smashed face, I was out walking around, uh, buried the weed on the side of the road under some gravel that my friends found later. I sent them for it. But uh, I was, I guess, trauma victims, uh, brain trauma. You, that's what they do. No matter your injury, you walk around. My friend, one of my friends was first on the scene, this girl that I knew, and she said, Gary, I didn't even know that was you. So I woke up in the hospital. What happened to the other guy? He had a broken arm. Broken. That's the way it is, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And he got he got 30 days in jail. You know, for just about killing, for stealing my life. You know, that's, that's what we get into here. I woke up in the hospital. I died in the ambulance. This I do remember. They were trying to get the tube down my throat to breathe for me. And I couldn't. I was puking. They couldn't get it down. And I was like, I'm ready to give up, man. Like, I can't. I didn't want, I wanted to live. I'm like, I can't keep fighting. And they said, take one more breath, man, and we'll get this tube in your throat. I remember that. Were you saying that I, I can't give, I, I was saying it to myself. No, I couldn't talk. But they felt it. They, the EMT yeah, I guys guess they just, did. Just like, come on, man, do it, do it, do it. Take it, did, take man. it, take it. I'm so, yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? But I woke up in the hospital a couple days later. Um, I had a trach because they didn't get it down my throat. And I guess. Oh, it, shit. So they just decided you must have passed out at that point, and they just said, "Okay, we gotta go a different way." Yeah. On the way to the hospital, in the ambulance, yeah, because I had to go down to Allentown, and they couldn't bring in life flight. I would have been life flighted, but it was storming so bad. I ran over a snake. What was it? Just your throat crushed? My whole face. Just this is reconstructed, mostly this side. It was like I woke up. They gave me a mirror, and I started crying immediately. Because my face was out to here. My chin was over here, but my nose was over here. I mean, it was a mess. And my mom brought them a picture for my graduation and said, that's what they worked off of to rebuild. And you Is it look, the same face? It's not asymmetrical. Not, no. And that, that hurts, man. That, that definitely hurts. But, you know, like, I'm happy. Like, I made it through some crazy shit. This shit, has man. brought me to where we are today in this whole cannabis thing. Do you see your face when you look in the mirror? What face do you see when you look in the mirror? I guess I identify it as me. Uh, the old me died when I was 19 because it really did. So this, you got a second chance. This, yeah, yeah. This, uh, it, it definitely did. At 19 years old, I learned a lot. I This is where my opiate habit began. Yeah. Before we go into that, here's some mango. <laughs> oh, right on. <laughs> Try this mango. Yeah, boy, these guys are passing. Yeah, he's rafting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait till I tell you this shit, dude. Like, I have a story, man. Jump in and stuff when you want to break up the monotony and they're talking, <laughs> but I, I, I have a story for you, man. 
that's what I'm here for. We're here to get the stories. It's it's amazing to even be here, sitting next to you, man. Like I should be dead a thousand times. You know, I should be dead a thousand times. I had, I had a thousand chances. So I don't have one more. I don't. You know? No, you think? Oh, you think you wore about? Straight. Not only that, but like I'm done. I'm done with that life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you just don't put yourself in situations where it's risky. Wisdom. <laughs> right. And if I like, I don't hang out with many people because I can't afford somebody else being stupid with the with the background that I have. I've heard that before with people. Um, I have a cousin that was that drank a lot. Yeah. And he stopped drinking because he said he was afraid of what he was going to do with stupid people. <laughs> like, I don't play him on that. When that, you drink, you're in those social situations, man. Like the, the clubs, the bars, and somebody pisses somebody off all the time. Yeah, and I get, and he's a big guy, and it seems like big guys always get targeted for things like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let's go fight with the big guy. That's true. The biggest guy. I gotta, I gotta try and knock him out, man. <laughs> you know? Well, then everyone's gonna leave my shit alone. Yeah. So you got that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so many. This is cool, man. This is definitely cool. Chena Cannabis, North Pole Cannabis Dispensary, 1725 Richardson Highway, between North Pole and Fairbanks, right before the Badger Road exit. You're gonna love this place. Convenient access right off the highway. Special in-house strains, half ounces for 160, ounces for 250. Valid through August or while supplies last. Fine flower strains, chocolate, sourdough, blue kush, big smooth, purple OG kush, fruity pebbles. Mmm. Concentrates by good cannabis, good titrations. Edibles by AK Frost and the Good Cannabis Gummies. Head on over to Chena Cannabis. Check out the full menu on leafly.com. Open Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Sunday, noon till 6. You don't have to drive all the way to Fairbanks for your cannabis needs. Save your time. Get your quality cannabis at Chena Cannabis. Your North Pole Cannabis Dispensary. Chena Cannabis. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. And now we have the great Gary Zubris. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love what you do too, man, in music. You know, musicians, I play guitar since I'm third grade. I can't draw for shit, but I went into graphics and computers uh -huh. and stuff, and I, I love anything art. My form of art comes out in my guitar. Can't draw, but I mean, like, that's all part of it, too. This whole entertainment industry. We're born to entertain, man. Like, yes. I do it automatically wherever I go. I'm uh -huh. like, yeah, it's just who we are, you know? Yes, I know. 
and just the technology that you work with, man. I always respect them, like the tapers that went to the dead shows, all the all the different all right, the pirate stuff, set up all that stuff. Yeah, respect the hell out of those. They have a little dat recorder. They've got to still be. They've got to be digitized now, right? Uh, Aren't absolutely. they on like Pirate Bay and all those yeah, things? Yeah, well, you know what? A lot of them. Yeah, a lot of them just use a fucking iPhone. Man. Yeah, you know, Bing. I know best that you can have. Like I was an Apple guy because uh, Macintosh. Actually, being in the industry of graphics, that's the computers they use because they store so much memory, and that's it's easy. The, that's the main one. All right, so yeah, and that too. Oh, I love them. I don't have an iPhone, so I kind of despise people that have these iPhones and don't know who J- Steve Jobs is. <laughs> I'm a nerd like that. <laughs> it's jealousy. Oh, I know. I get some silence here. So are we starting when you wake up that next morning? Alright. You look in the hospital woke up a couple hospital. days later and they showed me my face. I was in for 17 days and I couldn't talk because uh, my whole face was shattered. The roof of my mouth was split like a wide dude. Alright, that's how deep in they went. I did sustain frontal left lobe damage. It happens to be decision making area amongst other things, but that has all that plays big in the rest of my life too. Did that help you in um, any kind of court case later that you got in trouble with law, or um, no. you could say you had an accident when you were nineteen or something? You know what? Maybe in the end, the last time that I was in it was back in two thousand fifteen when I actually finally broke the cycle forever for good. Um, judges at that time. Seeing so much of the heroin and the crack and all those problems, the meth around here, Jesus Christ, the freaking mess. So, like, I think the judges started looking and saying, wow, these guys are actually kind of nice guys, you know, they just got messed up on drugs and did some really dumb shit, man. And, like, that's the bottom line with most of the people in jail today, you know, some kind of trauma. All right, this is the current, like, the common theme that I found amongst the people. There was some kind of trauma. They were beat as a kid. They were raped as a kid. Um, just like me, my accident when I was 19, I didn't hit a jail until I was 28 in my life. So obviously I'm not a career criminal. You know, he's getting caught with all these drugs now and retail thefts. <laughs> right. You know, so. Just uh, trying to get cash, get well, more drugs. That goes back to the accident. So, uh, you I wake w- up in the morning. I w- so I wake up. I wake up and I'm in pain. You can't describe the pain. And I can't talk. So my mom still has these notes. Like, this is after they show me my face. I cry. Sure. I cry, man. Because, like, I was kind of a little pretty guy. <laughs> so I cried. Well, they were giving me... I was on a... I had a morphine pump with the clicker. Like, every three or six minutes I can get an extra dose. And then, like, every time I woke up, this is how bad it was for me. They would come in, literally, the nurse would come in with a list from A to Z of every painkiller they had and asking me what I want because I was writing these notes, pain, pain, couldn't talk. So I'm writing this stuff down. They were just, <clears throat> they were hitting me with, you know, I got dilated often three times because I heard that name before as being something good and I, they wouldn't give it to me more after that. I was, <laughs> so they, they already knew this stuff. So I was on that, and these all these shots the whole time. Seventeen days. <laughs> Amazing.
that mangle is fun. <laughs> so I, know. I feel sativa in that. It's a it's a hybrid, more on the um, indica side. Okay, this is coming from Ramblin' Ranger. I love it. I love it. Oh, he's he has set me up. I got down there from Washington. Known him since I was five. Oh shit, man. So, You wake up in the morning, and I've got the, I've got this question. Did you think you were killing yourself from right then that morning when you're just like I, I'm not I lost my looks, uh, my face. I'm in so much pain. Just fucking kill me. Just, That's amazing that just, you just said that, man. That's amazing that you just said that because I didn't figure that out till I was in state prison, 33 to 37 years old. I didn't figure that out because I was I was on a mission. To forget that whole thing ever happened, man. Like I told you, like part of Gary died that day, man. Like his that can never come back through the trauma and damage that I had just from that moment. Someone stole my fucking innocence of nineteen. You know, you don't expect something to happen like this. It was a life fucking shattering event for me, man. Like uh, he took my confidence and security away from me. You know, because like now it's on, you're you're mortal. And at 19, everybody thinks they're Superman. Mm, yeah. You know. So did you right, get back into school then? Were you, did you finish school? Well, yeah, that's a long part of the story too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead. <laughs> you're you in the said, hospital and you're getting all these meds. You said with the clicker, man. I was like a laboratory rat. I would just keep clicking constantly, so I would not miss that extra dose. It was already. Was it done. you? Uh, Wanting to get high, like that experience, the partiness of it, or no. just pain, just yeah. just fucking make me feel yeah. not anything. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it feels so good when they give you those shots. <laughs> I still love it, man. It's cool as fuck. I agree. It's just so crazy you said that, man. Yeah, and then I'm on a mission, so I stayed 17 days. They sent me home. I didn't say anything. They sent me home with a couple scripts, Percocet still. Nobody ever said, Gary, you have to be careful because you are now, you now have an opioid dependency. So once you do, there's no turning back. Listen. <laughs> Just stop a minute and like observe the, observe the nature while we sit here. Now be a patron of Far North Tokers at patreon.com slash midtoker. Listeners supporting the artist financially for as little as $2 a month. You can help steer Far North Tokers through guest suggestions, reviews, new equipment for the show. Let's me know that Far North Tokers is important to you and I can just keep on keeping them. Thank you to long-term patrons, Marilyn Bergman, Carrie Mullis, Ramblin' Ranger, Peggy Peters, and Aaron Morton. Here's Tokers. Really, the last, when I came out here in the spring, there was a festival here, but these train tours were not going. Like, there wasn't people taking all the trains. I didn't expect that at all. There was no trains when we were out. It was dead silent. We have acoustic guitar. <laughs> That's uh, so it's gorgeous when it's quiet. Yeah, we're just sitting. We've walked across the railroad tracks. 
and we've, we've crossed over, and we walked down a path, and we're down by a, a raft launch, it seems. The, the raft launch is right there. Right, right. So and people are launching their rafts, but not all the time. There's no one... We've seen two older guys walking down here. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, no one's been by. No one's even noticed us. That <laughs> yeah. You know, a couple. A couple are like, what's going on? Yeah, I know. People. <laughs> Voices. What was the question? I can't when did you get uh, the uh, the prescription for, that was 90? Okay, 99. 99? happened in June of 90. What, so no one was even before. talking about any kind of addiction at that point, right? No way. Pills, pain meds were not even known to be anything at that time. And the government knew. The government pushed them for that reason. Come, I come to find out a long time later. They pushed that for that reason. The pharmaceutical companies are straight evil. Straight Here's evil. the thought. Think about this thought. I, I heard something about libertarianism and complete liberty recently, right. talking about what if you were allowed to continue taking that medication I, just forever, just yeah. to be allowed to take it? Did things start happening bad when it was taken away from you and you couldn't afford it anymore? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> could you survive? They cut me it? off the pain pills after a couple of scripts, just cold turkey. Now, I'm so messed up laying there, my face swollen like a freaking balloon, all reconstructed, teeth wired, and like after 17 days I go home and I don't know, I'm like, I had a fractured hip and a broken kneecap and I don't know where the pain is coming from, like the pain is just everywhere constant all the time, it's a Metallica say, gone insane from the pain. I, I like wonder how they knew to say that, because like it, when I was laying on the road, dude, that pain was so immense that I, it took me somewhere. You can't even imagine, you can't imagine this pain. It's unimaginable. Did you black out then? Oh, Is yeah. that what happened? Okay. Yeah. I, I woke, so I woke up looking down the line of the road and I can't move, all right? Like, I'm, I can't move anything. I can't even turn my head because everything is just blazing pain. And so Did you hear anything? I didn't at that time. I sort of maybe remember the sirens, but there was nobody there except for my friend that pulled up, you know, just out of the blues. She arrived there and said, Gary, I, I was out walking around, you know, trying to bury weed and stuff. She said, Gary, I didn't even recognize you. I didn't know it was you. You were walking around after this? Yes. That's from the brain trauma. Tra brain trauma victims walk. When trying to get rid of the weed. Too. I know. <laughs> Dude. You had a mission. What? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was you're worried like, about. Your face is destroyed. You've just been through and you're trying to bury the weed. I'm thinking crazy. I'm going to get arrested. Yes. You know, that's what I'm, I am worried about. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So I'm out walking around with this, these injuries. And I wake up. I'm, I don't really remember that part. You know, I wake up looking down the road. I just remember bits and pieces of stuff now. And um, Did you get the weed stashed? The weed was stashed in some gravel, and my friends got it later. <laughs> I sent them to it. You know, I, it's a shame that you have to sneak to do all, all oh, this stuff that's good for you're, you, actually. You're dying out there. And you're hiding <laughs> yeah, weed in, under gravel. Literally, literally dying. Because yes. I did. Um, I couldn't, so, like, I couldn't move, man. And, like, I said to myself, Jesus, what the fuck can possibly worse than this. You know, there's no way anything can possibly be worse than this. I mean, because those thunderstorms were rolling through, one rolled through, and 
So now I'm laying in the rain, looking down the side of the road in a thunderstorm, and I feel the water going in my ear. And the water's going in my ear, and I can't even turn my fucking head or move my arm to do anything. That's what I fucking... <laughs> you know, man, like, holy shit. This, this is life-shattering, man. Like I said, he stole that from me, so now I'm addicted to opiates, too. And I'm at home all fucked up, and I'm withdrawing, and I never knew it. I went through withdrawal and just thought, hey, this is part of everything else that fucking hurts, you know? And I never knew it. So right then, I, I'm, I'm addicted now. And, like, that is a cucumber turning to a pickle. There's no going back once you do that with opiates because it changes, alters some stuff in your brain. Two years later, it was my birthday, and I was 22 at this time. It's in September. My, my, my friends, uh, they were getting into, like, I knew they were doing heroin and stuff. You know, this, this little area is crazy bad, man. Tomorrow, well, every town is, has their reputation for a different drug that they're big on. Tomorrow was heroin. So my friend uh, said, I'll give you a little something for your birthday. And we had a little bump, like that big, man. Like, we do lines of coke and meth, like that big all night long. Back then, you know, like I was killing. <laughs> How long is this after your This was like accident? immediately, like the first, the first thing I did, like I got home. Uh, couldn't move or nothing. As soon as I got a chance, I went out to that high bridge with my friends on my crutches and fucking got drunk, taking my Xanax. They put me on Xanax immediately because I was writing notes when I was in there because they couldn't talk and writing notes about how I'm going to kill the guy that hit us. Uh -huh. They told me he was sitting up laughing that same night with a, with a little like broken wrist. So this is, you know... Wow. Yeah, so that's eating while you're thinking... Eating at you. And I like what you just <coughs> did to me, man. I looked at my face, I'm like, I don't kill this fuck. So I wrote that shit. Immediately psychiatrist comes in and I get a script of Xanax. <laughs> we better chill this guy out, man, because like it was some shit. that's how that's how fucked up this was. It was so serious, like I was gonna kill him. We did try to afterwards. Um, when I was healed enough, like a year later, me and my friend that was driving took a ride, um, he was out in an RR2 address somewhere, so we were like looking for his house because I'm gonna sit up in a field somewhere across the way and wait till he comes out of his house. So I'm gonna shoot him with my dirty on six, man. So, and nobody's gonna know because I ain't gonna be near him. Mm -hmm. I'm a hunter, you know. This is, a, this is a plan. This is how messed up my life got. I was, we were doing like socializing with Coke a little bit and that, like all the little drugs, a little bit here and there. Before this accident, we were actually kind of having parties, but after this, my, that's when my use got destructive. And like you had said, when I woke up in state prison sober, I was 30, it's about 35 years old, I realized this, I said, holy shit. I said, holy shit, man, like, I've been trying to kill myself. I've been trying to kill myself this whole time. Because who does, who mixes spoons with coke, meth, and heroin all together does huge full syringe shots of this stuff, you know, and uh, nobody normal would even think of sticking a needle in themselves to begin with. I never thought I would, you know. Nobody wants to grow up to be a junkie, but you know what, there was always something, like I was a John Lennon fan, there was always some little intrigue there about that stuff when I would hear it. 
I was talking about doing your first your first bump even. Yeah, well, it your was birthday. so small, and I thought, I thought, I said, no, what, what the hell is that? <laughs> so he's like, no, trust me, cuz, man, like, that's all, that's all I'm giving you. And it was so small, so I, so I bumped it up, and uh, I didn't even get real high from that little bit. I guess I did, though, because, like, all of a sudden, I felt like I was home again. I felt like, oh, this is what I I didn't know it, that I was addicted, and uh, but the doctors and hospitals did, and so what, they didn't warn me. So when I tried that, I didn't know I'm gonna go want to do that every day now. That first little bump, I had a ton of money at the time. Uh, I got a settlement from the accident. That didn't last long after this. But. <laughs> <laughs> so it was me taking my friends to the city oh. every day, getting some uh they blamed me for their their shit later on but they're the ones that turned me on to it you know they blamed me because like we went crazy like for a year we just did that every day you just had money yeah man <laughs> yeah i bet that happens a lot where accident victims accident people get uh get injured yeah they get a settlement yeah. then they have access to buy illegal drugs since they don't have the pharmaceuticals yeah and now they're they but they know what the good stuff is you know now they have an addiction to it you know nobody ever told us man so of course i'm off to the races and uh never even thought about it that we were snorting it for that whole first year i just sniffed it. still never was gonna think of sticking a needle in it man then uh, after that year like i was i had to get do so much to get high now the money is really running out you know because like I lived like a king for a year, but like it was getting stretched. I'm thinking about even getting a job now, right? Uh, and I'm driving around the back streets of Tamako from dealer to dealer. I gotta get my stuff fast. I, over there now, shit, fly over there through stop sign. And at one point, I said to myself, "Holy shit, man! I think I'm addicted. I think this is what they were talking about. Why do I feel this way? Why is my insides all tight and jittery, and I'm cold, and it's 90 degrees, and I have long sleeve shirts on?" I said, "I think I'm addicted." So I went to rehab. This is a '93, my first rehab. '93. Yeah, that's really early. This is, then. This is how long I shouldn't be here. Because <laughs> <laughs> the next 24 years of my life, well, it's just complete insanity. Complete insanity. So you made the decision to go into rehab. I'm going to rehab. I was in a really good band at the time. We were called The Last Show. We had three good singers, three incredible singers, classic rock. But we picked like more unknown but known aggressive classic rock because we liked fights i don't hear people fight because there's nothing to do at least back then before there was all these guns so like we we just we, what we tried to do is like choose songs like get them drinking 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 now we got them drunk we choose songs about like them stealing someone else's girlfriend and shit like that we averaged a fucking fight every night that we played man every night that was our mission uh and we got one every night. Half the time, it was one of our band members because the other four were like two sets of brothers that were Italian. <laughs> and they loved. So half the time, it was the band members fighting with people. Like, they were good times, but like I thought I was a rock star. So 
that's how we live. Oh, I thought I'm a rock star or a local band, you know. And I, so I said, like, I'm not, I can't be addicted to heroin, man. I'm going to rehab. Well, I'm like crying to my mom, like, I gotta go. So we found the rehab up in Wolf's Fair called Choices in 93. So they detoxed me in a hospital. And they don't have like easy methadone, uh, suboxone detoxes back then. They were giving us uh, Valium, Tadapress, and Chlorohydrate, like a sleeping medication, to detox and leave you in a hospital bed in the hospital to do it. It was horrible. It was it was freaking horrible. It was horrible, horrible detox because it was so painful and they couldn't give you anything more than what they were giving you. So after five days, I left. I walked. I signed out and I walked away. Caught a bus down to Hazleton and had my friends pick me up and take me down to their place in Tamaqua to chill and then go over to see my heroin dealer. Because I couldn't take it anymore. Uh, so a week later, I am back in detox. And this time, I got to stay. And I got through the detox. It was fucking horrible again. I even brought a bag in with me to the detox. I knew how bad it was going to be. And while I was going through it, I did it, and it didn't help nothing. It didn't, it didn't even phase me, man. So now I, now I might have even prolonged my detox longer because I did that. You know, but uh, I, I made it through, and I went through the program. As soon as I got, it was a 28-day program. And as soon as I got in there, the other guitar player from our band, as we were buddies doing this thing, we were the two heroin addicts in the band, he showed up in detox, too. So now it's like, cool, <laughs> this is how sad it is. Now it's like, cool, man, I have a friend here. It's my brother, man, this is Chris. We're a family, you know, band is a family, man. Mm -hmm. All our girlfriends, we had a family. So now my brother's here. Oh, I had beat him up right before that. <laughs> Forget what was over, I chased him, or he chased me around town. We were fighting about something. This is the drama that heroin brings. Every day somebody's fighting with another one. It's just crazy drama, so. We fought, and there he is in the detox bed with a, with a black eye, and I'm like, yeah, it's Chris, man. <laughs> so we, we went through the program together, and it was very small. There were like maybe 10 people in that detox, 12 at the most at the time. And what I did learn when I was in there is that I was wasting my money by snorting heroin. And it was really, the quote, it was meant to be shot. So now I go to rehab to get clean and I come out and I'm like, I gotta shoot it. My, my dealer shot it. Were you clean? I stay, I was trying at first. I was, I was going to their meetings every night and then I went and hooked up with some girl from rehab because that's what happens with rehab people. It's crazy. Uh, and then after that, you know, I just sort of like didn't care anymore because it wasn't I couldn't get I couldn't I couldn't shake the memory I couldn't shake that I still even though I couldn't remember I couldn't shake it so I crumbled within the 30 days and uh first time I, I bought a syringe off my dealer and I went out and I missed my vein because I didn't know what I was doing I just looked at the vein now you can see I, I I'm I'm divoted I'm divoted right? <laughs> I I missed and I didn't know what went with heroin when you miss, we still get high, it's just not the rush, it takes a little longer. So then I went back and talked to him and I told him, hey, I did that. And he was like, yeah, do you feel the rush? And I was like, no, what do you mean? He goes, oh, you did it wrong. I was like, all right. 
So I'm not even going to bother with it again for now, I told him. But my whole plan was I got to try this again. But at that time, this guy came out of prison that was a cousin to uh, the the one set of brothers' family. Uh, He got out of state prison. He was big in heroin. And now, like, he loved the Grateful Dead. That was his thing, a solid deadhead. Every show, everywhere. He he came like he liked us because we did some dead songs. And we would put our own, like heavier twist on everything so here's cousin richard cousin richard is the devil because his reputation was to get everybody hooked on heroin hazelton he was notorious like he'd come around all this craziness would happen everybody he got he'd get them these girls and stuff you know get them hooked to heroin so one day i was in the apartment copping with him and I said, yo, show me how to do that. And he and he did. He said, well, you go in here, like, straight towards your heart. And I was like, yeah, but I don't know the angle. Like, how deep do you go? He goes, here. It's just like, if the angle is everything. He, he went, he goes, hold your hand up here. And he just went, boop, he popped it in so fast, I jumped. And he was right in. That, that, that's because that's a big vein. So, <laughs> that was it. I got that rush. I got that rush. So now it's like, Game over. Game over. There's nothing like this. Did you have money then? Uh, at that point, I was kind of broke. I had a little bit invested in some bonds, but uh, for that, I got a job at that point over here at back here at KME. It's uh, they're a government fire truck manufacturing plant. And, so you had uh, money still. You had money to start putting into it. Right. 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 Uh, that 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 lasted a year. I lasted a year. I only put up with my shit for that long, and they just called me in one day and were like, "Yo, man, like you missed too much time. Like five minutes here after clocking, two minutes there. Two, like every day, I'm like, yo, I'm just getting my shit together. That was right when I got out of rehab. Then, so I'm just getting my shit together. Give me a chance. And like, no, that was my first firing, you know, for because of the drug. after that I was when I went back to school I was kind of cleanish all right 94 I went because I dropped out of Penn State when I turned 20 I like there was no way I could I could do anything after that like with thinking today still today I, I'm, I'm intelligent I was always highly but semi-intelligent but I my you know my memory not my memory but I'm slow I'm, I'm, I'm slow but not stupid know what I mean but I can be a little slow so uh, you know like I went back and changed my major from engineering to graphics uh, graphic communications it was a Penn State school Penn College of, Penn College of Technology up in Williamsport it was a Penn State school so I got a, I got a Penn State diploma my first year I got great grades because we were doing me and my roommate from here moved up there we were just like doing meth all the time so we'd be up all the time online at some point you're tired of talking to each other so we'd actually have nothing to do and do our homework so <laughs> the first year i did that and flew through but the whole time like we're driving from williamsport every now and then three hours to philadelphia to cop a couple bags and then come back so i kept playing with it but i graduated i got through it and uh i had an associates in graphic 
communication. So I have something now. Where should I go? I'm either going to go to New York or I'm going to go to Philadelphia. Because those two cities, and I knew I was already going to Philadelphia to come, have the heroin. <laughs> you know, wow. they have the heroin. Making a decision where you're going to get your employment. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Well, I mean, I kind of did that with cannabis. Okay. <laughs> you know, you're making, but it, right, I mean. But that's a good decision, man. You know, yeah. that's a good decision. This was a very bad decision. But now I have frontal left lobe damage. I'm not great with making decisions. You know, so like it caused me a lot of You were of getting problems. closer to what you wanted? Uh, you had, like, the best career for this stuff is in a more populated city. Like, New York is number one, L.A. is number two, and Philadelphia is number three. So I didn't want to go to the West Coast. Some of my mentor friends in the cannabis went out to L.A., to live and work and when they come back they're like different they're like Biff now they're like Biff and Hoop with their pink you know collared preppy shirts and their hair is like all greased and stuff and I ain't going out to LA man I don't want none of that shit I don't even know if they came back you know straight still or what <laughs> so um, I'm like New York and Philadelphia and I'm looking at the apartments up in New York I'm like holy shit that's just like that's so fucking expensive, man. They're like a little box for fourteen hundred a month, and back then that was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot of money. Um, the rent was probably like two hundred bucks a month around here back then. Right. So I decided on Philly, and I moved down to the burbs, though, out on Mainline, um, Ardmore. You know where Ardmore is? No. Okay. It's like the Mainline is the money part of town. It's out in West Philly, the suburbs, and I guess Lancaster Avenue goes through and comes from City Line Avenue was where I worked, up in Balakinwood. It's a heavy Jewish populated area, and my company was Jewish too, the owners and half the people that I worked with. So it was a, it was a money area. I didn't have a lot of money, but I was figured I'd go to a nice place and, I, you know, like kind of like blend into... Mm -hmm the rich I guess that's a, that's a, you know that's the goal become rich and do heroin <laughs> okay so I'm working down there in uh right in Balakinwood I'm doing heroin. I'm going on my lunches. I'm selling print and graphics for a printing company and graphics company down there called BPM. Changed to something else now, but it was a nice place, man. So, but it was close. It was like 20 minute ride from there to North Philadelphia, uh, the Badlands, Kensington, and back. I I can do it like five minutes late coming back from my lunches. I'm going down to the city during my lunches, bro. I'm like getting heroin and come back. I, I had to work with a tie. You know, I'm, I'm handling clients with big accounts and, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing heroin every day and nobody knows it. Nobody and you're knows feeling it. real good, smart, and everything's going, yeah, you're making I, money, I doing heroin. I smoked weed back then. This is the job. I wouldn't even smoke for work because I had to, I had to know the whole company, write up jobs people were looking for it was a custom print company so everything had its different prices there was estimates and I'd have to coordinate these jobs through the different departments in 
in the company, so I had to be on point, man. And uh, when I didn't have, like, I'm already from from the day I interviewed there. That was the first. I went I went for dope before I even had the interview. Stayed so down with a friend in in uh, Delaware. I drove commuted from there to Philly for the interview. Before I went to the interview, I stopped up in the Badlands and got a bag. I did it. I got high. I went to the video high. Ways probably because back then Philly, Philly dope still is like some of the strongest. I must have been blazed when I like rocked the interview, you know, because heroin gives you that energy, that boost, even though it's it's a downer, still it gives you energy. And I liked meth, I liked coke, and heroin to me was a stimulant, but it was a way cooler one, you know, because you was way back, no edge, just like you. <laughs> so, uh, what stopped that direction? Let's <laughs> hold up on that. It really, 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 yeah, I'll tell you, it really got crazy, man, from this point on. Like, it was bad enough. I was driving from here to Philly a couple times a week and back. It cost me 10 bucks to fill the tank in my Explorer down and back, right on, right on the nose each time. So sometimes I drive down for one bag or two bags just for a ride. I want to go to Philly on the cheesesteak, you know? So... I, I'm already like I'm addicted, <laughs> but this is about to wrap up and come into the whole cannabis thing because I, I smoked for my whole life, but during these years I didn't smoke every day because I had to afford the dope first. And I was shooting dope, shooting coke. Uh, I was getting hit of a meth for my friends from down there like ounce at a time and bringing it to my friends up here so I was shooting that all three of them together sometimes it got crazy once I got to Philly it got more out of control um, I was down in the hood just about every day I've had guns pulled on me you know uh, I get pulled over once a week for being white because they'd be like what are you doing here <laughs> I was like just leaving sometimes that worked <laughs> sometimes it didn't but I still am in the weed game, man. Like the Deadhead, Floyd Head, Judas Priest, music, musician. I love weed my whole life, but the weed wasn't quite the same, and you know that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially out but here on you, the East Coast. Uh, you were lucky then to have cannabis there with you huh? the whole yeah. time. That was a constant. And it was always available. You know, even down there, I could go down and pay 10 bucks for, this, for the hydro that was coming around. I was getting that off the street. Uh, everybody else still on the street sells that brown shit, that Mexican brick, smelly, still <laughs> sometimes moldy. Oh, their brick weed goes around. Like it ain't brick now, but it's just like shitty mids that they let get moisture and sealed it so it get all brown. That's where the brown shit comes from, man. Like I figured that out back when we were growing outdoors. We throw, take the plants down and throw them in a the garbage bag. So I'm driving like home with them. One time I left them in the garbage bag like overnight, pull them out the next day, and they're brown, man. They're, they're brown, and so I figured that's where that's what happens when they're down in Mexico and harvest that shit and they brick it up or bundle it up. It's still wet. Oh, uh, and not let it cure. Yeah, and it's so it like kind of molds. You ever get weed that's moldy, like white powder? Back a long then? time ago. That's why that's mold. That's mold because it was sealed before they shipped it. I mean, Huckleberry. Oh, that's tasty. I have to look that up. I have to look up what Huckleberry is. <laughs> I like the taste that I have. That's earthy to you. 
uh, maybe a OG. That may be an OG. Or no, not know, that may be a Kush, right? Yeah. Is that what this one is? Yep, he just grows Kush. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's what's up. So when did it switch? When did it no longer work anymore for you? Well, it took, I, I ended up in jail uh, down in Philadelphia County. It was the first time I was ever arrested. I got pulled over a hundred times down there. Like I said, once a week I get pulled over. Cops would like never really bother with me. They'd be like, throw throw your stuff, your rig, and throw the drugs down in the gutter. So we would, like, don't let me see you back here. That happened once a week. Uh, it still know, went back. It still I, went back. The one time. So risky. <laughs> dude, every day it was either the cops. I, I would get a rush from going into that neighborhood. You know, I'm getting like my stomach is in butterflies. I lock the doors like I'm going in. I'm going in to grab what I got to get and get the fuck out without getting robbed, without getting arrested. Like it, it becomes a machine at this point. Like you're just, I'm an animal. I'm a, I'm a white boy from the mountain running around. At one point, chasing a Puerto Rican around the block with all the motherfuckers that were Puerto Rican up in the, you know, Dominican section of North Philly. There I am chasing a guy around over $20 he grabbed for me. So, that motherfuckers would be like, nobody said nothing. They'd all be like, yo, look at this fucking crazy white boy. <laughs> but the guy runs into a house and I'm not going in the house. <laughs> anyway. I finally, at one point... <laughs> I had wrecked my Explorer um, into a barber shop up in North Philly from Park. <laughs> like I, the first I, or something? Or you? I, no, I was parked alongside the road, man. The car that my truck was on, my Explorer, it was on, but I was pulled over at this one point to do a shot of Coke. At this time, I put like way more than I ever had seen in a thing before accidentally. And I was like, ah, fuck it. Because that was my whole frame of mind back then. Fuck it, I'll do it. Fuck, I mixed everything. Fuck it. Well, as soon as I did that, I knew it was too much. As soon as I put the plunger in, man, I said, oh, fuck. All right. <laughs> so I went blind. I immediately went blind. I can't see. My ears are ringing, ringing, ringing. Because I said, cold shots will ring your ears. I mean, this was screaming louder than I ever heard it. And it's a sunny day, so cars that were going past on the street over there were like shining light, uh, you know, reflections off. I can see the reflections hitting my face, but I can't see anything, so I panic. I think the cops are coming for me. I throw it in, I throw it in drive, hit the gas, boom. Now, I remember hearing cars beeping at me because I was swerving back. I, I didn't know if I was going to hit anything or a car. And I didn't know where the road was, so I'm swerving back and forth. I hear cars beep, and I wake up with a cop knocking on my window saying, you'll be all right. Just don't worry. You'll be all right. I had wrecked into the side. I floored it and just down this like, down a hill, and I never made the turn, and I smashed right into the side of a fucking barber shop. <laughs> I wake up. It's crazy, dude. Like, I, I, at some point, I was blind and don't remember hitting the wall, but at some point, I put all my Coke bags, I stuffed them in my mouth. A bunch of them. And one of them was open. And, uh, I had the syringe tucked in my sock. And I thought I was clear. Uh, I'm sitting there and they're asking me shit. I could feel my mouth going numb. I'm like, what the hell? Holy shit, the Coke's in my mouth. <laughs> I'm not hurt somehow. And I don't know how. The truck was damaged 
at this point, but the cop comes back with a syringe loaded like this, and he goes, aha! This is how fucked up I was back then. It was the one the night before. I mixed it, drew it back, put the spoon down, and lost it. And I could not find the motherfucker. I'm outside, turn around my car, could not find it. That's what the cop walks up to me with. He goes, he goes, aha! He has a fucking rig, so like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> so they're like, you're going to the emergency room. I'm like, all right, take me to the emergency room in Temple Hospital in North Philly. Sitting there, I still had the bags in my mouth. <laughs> it's fucking completely numb. The, the, still have the rig in my sock. This is the insanity that it fucking takes you to. The cop comes in and he goes, you know what? <laughs> now, I don't know the truck situation yet. He goes... I, he goes, I'm not going to press these charges, man. I think you had enough problems today. And I'm like, fuck, yeah. He's like, wait for the doctor to come in and release you. So as soon as he walks away, of course, I pull the things out of my veins. And I get up and I walk straight upstairs to the lobby to one of my normal spots because it's right on North Broad Street into the bathroom, pull the rig out of my sock, pull the bags out of my mouth, and do a shot of coke in the bathroom. Then I walk down to get my truck. I find that it's totaled. It's total. There's no way drivable. There's this little black kid inside going through my shit. <laughs> and the dudes come over and they're like, yo, um, whatever the, whatever the shop owner's name was like, Junior wants to talk to you. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, you buddy. This is dead in North Philly, man. I'm like, I'm dead. They're going to take me in the back room and fucking pop me. But I go in, you know, because you have to. You have to walk your head fucking high all the time because... If you don't, like, that's what other people do that are successful. Like, half the times they're full of shit, man. But if you act a certain way, you know, nice people confidence. just... <laughs> right, right? So, um, that, I, I, I'm in this fucking mess now. You see how this is going for my life. I'm smoking weed, but not medically at this point. That's just something else I'm throwing on top of everything else. So, I had to go to rehab down there. Well, well, the first time I got arrested, this, the situation was, it was probably the best thing at that time. And this is why later in life, my father tells me, Darius, the police are your best friends. Because, and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? He goes, they saved your life so how many times? Well, this was one of them, the first time I got caught, because I had insurance money. I wrecked the Explorer. They gave me their, their car, whatever the fuck it was. Nice little car sedan. I wrecked that out on the expressway. I don't know how I lived. That, that was, I come around the corner, flying up the expressway, 76, because I just came back from having drug, from getting drugs, you know? Well, I got drugs. I mean, I'm flying. You come around the corner, and tra tra traffic is at a dead stop. And I'm doing, I'm going pretty fast, so I locked it up. Slid it over to the side, hit the median, bounced off that, clipped the car in the front of it, and then smashed into the guardrail. So I got right out of the car and I threw my shit over the bank. <laughs> Cops coming, they didn't even question my sobriety. They're, they're just so used to this. They're like, all right, write it up. And so I wrecked that car. <laughs> and I, I did go get the drugs down the bank after the cop left, too. So I wrecked that car and um, I had bought a Chevette of 83 gray, beat up, dull, not, not glossy at all. Chevette for a hundred dollars. Chevy, I saw this for. I have all this insurance money, like three, three some grand from the, you know, wrecking the. It was the Taurus. It was the Taurus. So I got this. I'm supposed to buy another decent car for myself. 
I got this insurance money. There's a $100 Chevette. <laughs> so I buy a $100 Chevette. The car broke down on me every fucking day. So, <laughs> you, know, so you were getting your drugs, right? Well, yeah, that's what, that's what I had that money, man. And so I'm, I went down and I bought like, I bought, I had, I had something of everything on me. I bought a quarter ounce of Coke, bought some crack. I had hair. Oh, I was on methadone at this point. I was trying to do all right. Uh, I was, I was on methadone, but I was down there and I, overnight, like I would go down and run around the streets for a couple days in North Philly. Just like, I don't know what I want, just fucking around here and doing drugs there. I had all this weight of everything, Percocets, Xanax, I had everything that you can get in the city on me this day. And I said to the girl, I met her, I met this Puerto Rican crackhead, you know, she was hot, man. She was definitely hot. So I'm like, I'm fucked up out of my mind. I'm like... I'm going to get me some of this because she's a crackhead. She's like, do you have any, got any hard? I'm like, no, but I got this soft. It took me two years to locate uh, this particular Coke in North Philly. I chased around this fish scale for two years on those streets till I nailed it down. So I had that shit. I had that shit. The girl was like, come on, we'll go to my, go to my friend's house and we'll just give him a little bit. And then we'll go up to a room and, you know, I'll take care of you, Bobby. <laughs> Hold on, let me get a drink. <laughs> Dude, you got me, you got me going though, man. Like, I get, I get, it's crazy. Hey, thank you for joining us on Far North Tokers. You can find more episodes of this time capsule of Alaskan cannabis on SoundCloud and iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send questions and comments to midtoker at farnorthtokers.com. M-I-D-T-O-K-E-R at farnorthtokers.com. And now, Patreon. Help support the show financially at patreon.com slash midtoker. Here's Token. Here's Token.